Hello, and welcome to the Game Time CT Just for Kicks podcast. I'm the boys soccer writer, Scott Erickson, and I'm joined, as always, by the girls soccer beat writer, Joe Morelli. Good morning. How good are you? Mo- I'm good, Joe. Yes, Tuesday morning, bright and early. Bright and early, and let me tell you something. Joe Morelli's coming in hot into the studio today, so we're going to get right into the Hamden-East Haven game and what happened with this game the other day. Uh, it was a 15-1 decision for Hamden, but I'm going to let Joe tell you all about what, what's going on there and what, what the controversy is. Yeah, and we obviously we could also do both boys' and girls' stories in, in our area, and uh, I happen, I do standings for both sports on my own time, and I happened to come across a score that kind of caught my eye. From Saturday, it was Hamden 15, East Haven the 1. Mm-hmm. And I contacted SEC Commissioner Acarbone. I said, did you know about this? He said no, because they, they discussed in their meetings and with coaches score management stuff and when stuff they see a score that's outlandish and in, in any kind of sport right and in his discussion when he told me when i spoke to him he's like this the biggest discrepancy of a game in boys soccer in the 25-year history of the league that's incredible yeah. yeah and they were because the two previous ones were two 13 nothing games won the very first week of the C, very first week of the sec in 1994 and then in one in 2006 and both were 13 goal spreads the last boys soccer game decided by more than 10 goals or more was in 2011 listen i was not there right i tried to get all parties aside hamden was not commenting why it happened did they run it up did it get out of control were jv scoring or not i don't know what happened they had their chance to say they did not that is their business to handle it in-house sure but if you're east haven and again, they lost eight nothing last night to Brantford, so they've had their troubles this year. Of course, right. I, I just there, to me, there's no place for that. Right. I mean, I've been around colleagues. There's a guy in this company by the name of Dave Agostino used to work at the Connecticut Post a long time ago. Wrote a column about when there was happened on the girls' side, and it was talked in, and you, you close your books at seven nothing, you pass the ball around. Now, there's a place. Well, is that embarrassing opponent if you're just knocking it around and not trying to score, but. But 15-1, to 1, and here's the interesting thing. The game was stopped with 17 minutes left. The East right. David coach stopped the game. So it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Right. And there's no place for that. And, and, and I don't know, if, again, if they were trying to embarrass him or not. I have no idea. They had their chance to say they didn't. That's fine. But if you're East Haven, if you're, if you're a, a soccer coach and have been around the game a long time, I doubt you want to be a part of a 15-1 game on either side. Yeah, I think so. So there's two sides to this. First of all, you know, you say in a sport like this, like East Haven needs to defend itself. It needs to put up a fight. But you get to a point, like you said, where it's seven nothing, eight nothing, and the common thing in soccer is to pull it out. And I think this works in soccer more than other sports. You know, you see the, the score management in other sports like football because you had kids like falling down, not running in, like it really hurt the competitive nature of the game. But if you're playing soccer, even if you throw your JVs out there for the last ten minutes of the game. They can play possession soccer, work on everything they need to work on. They can get better. They're playing in a varsity game. You don't need to shoot. And the coach needs to say that to the kids. Don't shoot the ball. Bring it out. And I don't think that's embarrassing East Haven to play possession, to try to keep it away. East Haven's still chasing, still trying to get the ball back, still trying to go the other way. But, again, we weren't there. We don't know what happened. Maybe there's some kind of thing or beef between Hamden and East Haven I don't that think we don't so. know about. But I, I don't. So, Me but it seems odd when you see a score like that, and it doesn't really benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the Hamden kids just to score goals against a team that's 
not putting up much of a fight. And it certainly doesn't help East Haven. It doesn't help soccer in general to see a score like four, like 15 to 1. So I, I, let's put it this way. I don't know how you anybody can defend right. what they did. Do you think there should be a, a score rule like there is in baseball where, there, where you get to – if, you, if it's 10 goals, you say that's enough, the game's over. Possibly. I yeah. mean, I don't know if that's going to happen. But it probably doesn't happen enough for it to, to be a case. But maybe, sure. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say this has to be in place. But I just think you have to know enough to not do that. Yeah. And again, if this the coach didn't let – the same coach didn't stop it. I mean, he stopped it like he was like a technical knockout. What would the score have been? Right. And, and there's a point. And there's a point. Somebody made a point to me. An athlete, you mean the, the East Haven coach? Yeah, right. He stopped the towel it. And, yeah. and what if the yeah. and, and so another athletic director made a point? I mean, what about other sports, Joe? Why are you making it? Why are you writing this story? I mean, I'll be honest. I, having worked for the New Haven Register and covered boys basketball for 17 years, anytime somebody in New Haven scores 100, I hear about it. Right. Are you gonna write about that? No. To me, this is. Again, it was the worst score in the history of the league. So I think it warranted it. And you have a chance to defend yourself. So I don't know if the coach suspended, if they let it go, if they just if reprimanded him. I have no idea. I don't know Rafael Romano at all. Right. I have not met him. We've talked through email. I have not met Chris Rapulano. So, again, they had their chance to speak. They chose not to. Um, to answer your question, do they need to have that in place? I think you just need to have com- common, common sense. sense. Right, yeah. I think you know... When it's 10, 12, 1, you stop. Right. You stop, you do something, you, put, you, you don't, you stop scoring, you let, the, I, I don't know, I didn't play soccer, so I don't know the, all the answers, but I think if you asked a veteran coach in the FCAC, a veteran coach in the, they wouldn't want to be a part of that. Well, I, I've been at games like that where it gets to 7 nothing or 8 nothing, and the and team, what do they do? They play possession. So they go, the, the, the coach says to them, take your foot off the gas a little bit, don't, don't score, just well, how does the other coach feel? Do they like get feel like they're getting embarrassed, or do they feel like thank you very much for not embarrassing? No, I think further? it's more embarrassing to, to for kids to continuously score. I think chasing a ball around for a team playing possession, you're still being competitive in that case. Right. You're still trying to stop the ball. It's not like the other team's just standing there. So, and in a game like soccer, it works. In basketball, it doesn't work because you you're going to stand at half court when you get a certain lead. Like that's against the nature of the game. You got the game's got to keep going. A lot of baskets get scored. We go to a lot of soccer games where there's one or two goals scored. You know, you see it all the time, and teams possess the ball. So it's not a hard thing to do. It helps the kids who are on the field, you know, the kids who don't play varsity normally who are on the team that's winning because you're still doing all the things you're supposed to be doing within a soccer game. There's no need to run up a score to 15-1. to Um, Again, we don't know the backstory behind it, but it just looks bad. I don't think the coach should be suspended, but – it would make sense for the AD there at least to say something like, listen. I'm sure, and I know Tom Dyer, and I'm sure they handle it in-house and they handle it And fine, well. and that's fine. And that's, and that's, they don't have to talk to the media. Absolutely not. And that's, and that's fine. But again, name, anybody out there who's dis- disgruntled with what I wrote, name me one veteran coach who would stand for this. Name me one. I, I, I don't think you would. That's think- still coaching. That's actually respected. I would doubt it. I, I mean, I think if you go around and ask those coaches, what do you do when you get to that level? And it happens in the SEC. It happens in the FCI because there are certain times there's this real big discrepancies between the quality of teams from the bottom of the standings to the top of the standings. And when you look at those scores, very rarely are you over seven goals. Very rarely. So everyone sort of understands that. We both kind of know that unwritten rule that there's no need to keep attacking, attacking, attacking 
when you can play. And we're assuming that's what happened. It could have been they scored by accident. Who knows? But there was a goal waved off, too. Possibly. No, there was a goal waved off in this game. Right, yes. So, I mean, it's... This is ludicrous. Right, but I don't think they scored like 15 own goals and like the no, no, East no, Haven I, was just, no. you know. And it's, but if the, East, I, if, if the East Haven coach thought enough to pull his team off the field with 17 minutes and say that's enough, then I don't think those goals were accidents. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't think he would say, and you can't score that many goals by accident. It's too hard no, to score. No, I know. Uh, it's too hard to score. Don't miss a pass, pitch, or putt this season. Sign up for the Whistle newsletter and get the latest news and stories sent straight to your inbox from GameTimeCT.com. Pete Baguaga is alongside with us. Uh, Pete, there were some some comments on the story, some comments to, to the Facebook page at GameTime. Can we uh, just hear a couple of what people had to say? Yeah, um, <clears throat> starting over on the Facebook page, uh, one of them was, you know, what are the ethical bylaws here? Uh, if there's been a concern previously, why has you know, the league avoided implementing a run rule, like Scott said, um, right. not to jump in, but I don't think this has been a concern previously. <laughs> like you said, Joe, it's the first time this has ever happened. Well, this much. I mean, th- there were a couple 13 nothing games over the past, and like I said, it's b- been rare. So I think now that this has happened, I think people will be aware of it, and it will be a topic of discussion, and I, mean, I don't doubt that for a minute in the next SEC ADs meeting. Yeah. Uh, another one on the, on the uh, Facebook page, which was, you know, interesting – in just, you know, a thought process, uh, this person said, I don't understand why we're teaching today's kids it's okay to just let up if you're playing a team not as good as you. Why do teams have to play less hustle? Uh, if you're if you're winning today, you're expected to give up so you don't hurt someone's feelings. Uh, he says, ridiculous that you're expected to adjust your style uh, of play in any sport to accommodate a team that's not as good as yours. No, stop right there. Now, he has a point. You don't tell kids not to score. You don't tell kids to give up. But what he speaks to kind of to your point about right. how do you offset that? Right, and I think that this is what a, a unique situation in soccer where it is possible to stay, to keep your kids competitive, keep them playing at a high level, but not just don't shoot the ball at the goal. There's plenty you can do in soccer. Again, in other sports, I do, I agree with what he's saying. In a football game, I don't think that taking your foot off the gas is safe. I don't think it's a good idea. Now, and that's an, what happened with the 50-point rule in football. People right. were taking knees and running backwards out of bounds, and people were getting hurt. And as the old saying in college football, well, in college college level, if your team's not good enough, well, that's not my fault. Right. But that's college football. That's college. It's, a different, it's a different game. 15-1, to 1, it's, it's, it's just a lot. I don't remember the last time I saw a score like that. I, I understand what that commenter's saying. Yeah, I, and I, I understand. And I, and I understand, and I agree with it in principle – but there becomes a point where you just don't need to embarrass the other kids in the field. And, again, soccer's a game where you don't have to. You don't have to do it. Baseball is different. That's why there's a run rule in baseball. Football, that's why they put the running clock in because it's harder in those games to manage yourself. Soccer, you can do it, and everyone knows that you can do it. And, and let's just say I Hammond has never been involved in a controversy like this. In the, all years I've been doing soccer, I've had, there have been no issues. They've been a program that's been average to a little bit above average. So – it's a one-time thing. Again, I don't know the coach. It was a mistake. I'm sure everybody learns from it. Just so we understand. Right, it's not a trend. They're not it doing this It hasn't been a trend. Yeah. It, it, it's happened to be something that, again, we also got the, one of the earlier emails. I don't know who it was from. I saw was sent the score in. So, obviously, people saw the score. People from East Haven, they – it jumped asked, off the page a, when you see and that. And asked the kids how they felt. And, again, they, it's not, well, they should be better. Well, they're not better, and – Sometimes you have to kind of think for them or make that decision yourself. 
Go ahead, Pete. Just a little side question. If you're if you were in the shoes of an East Haven player, yeah. this is a question for me. <laughs> if That's you, a good question. I don't know. Long time, first time. Um, <laughs> if you guys were a player on East Haven, yeah. would you want them to let up or would you want them to keep a tag? You know what I mean? Like everyone's qu- saying think of the kids. But, it, you know, if you're a competitor or something like that, like if you're a kid on East Haven, like do you want them to, you know, just stand there for 20 minutes kicking the ball You can't stand there. That. I mean, you, have to, you still have to move and you still have to play possession. You have to shift around. East Haven can still chase the ball. East Haven can still try to get it back. East Haven can still try to score. The other team just doesn't have to shoot. Like, And I don't think that is – like, look, if the ball rolls right in front of the goal and the kid, you know, then sure, kick it in. But that doesn't usually happen. You know what I mean? You have to get the ball there. You can play in the middle of the field and still keep it competitive for East Haven where they're still playing or whoever the team is that's chasing and not do that. So I think in this game that I, I wouldn't be embarrassed if I was the East Haven player and, and Hamden started playing possession. I'd be much more upset losing 15-1 to 1 than losing 7-1 to 1 and for the last 15 minutes I just ch- had to chase the ball around, you know? No. And, my, and then my coach didn't have to throw the towel in because we were just getting drubbed too much and the other coach wasn't going to take his foot off the gas. I, I honestly don't know how I'd feel. But I mean, I'm a competitor. I hate to lose, so... I probably want to keep them and try to do whatever I can, but sometimes you, that's why they're kids and they adults are running the show. They're the ones who make the decisions. Yeah. Um, one of the comments on uh, the story on Game Time. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but uh, you know, a lot of people seem to be hung up on you know a point differential or a run rule. Right. And like in football, they have the running clock now. Obviously, soccer is a running clock anyway. Yeah, you so can't short the game. You know, this person says, well, "What about an eight point or eight goal uh, differential?" But at the same time, is is there like something else to be done other than a run rule in soccer? Again, like we said, they have a running clock. So what else could be done other than ending the game early? Nothing. Then it, Nothing. you either have to have a rule, or you have to have everyone just say, sort of a gentleman's agreement or you know, gentlewoman's agreement. This is what we do, which is kind of how I feel it is. And I think if you ask most coaches, they would say the same thing. So yeah, they're going to kick it around. They're going to work on possession. They're going to work on their own things without assaulting the other team, moving the ball back and forth. I know it may look like yo-yoing another team, but I don't. There's no easy answer to this, but the final score of this game is not the right answer either. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, then there's another comment. Uh, bringing up football, you know, we you guys have already talked about that with football, and it is different, and there's a lot of things that you can do in football that's a little bit different than in soccer. I actually have a, have a comment um, as well. Um, what if, and again, we don't know this, but if the JV kids are in or freshman kids are in for Hamden, aren't they just – trying to get better or trying yep. to, you know, sure. uh, yeah. take advantage of their time on varsity as well. Again, this is just an example. And you're telling example. them not yeah. to score. Is that fair to them? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that's a that's very a good point. valid point. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's hard. I, like I said, I didn't play. So how you tell kids not to school who've never been in a varsity game before and this is their chance. But unfortunately, <laughs> but, you know, once it, it gets it, out of hand, there has to be some reining in. Oh, absolutely. No, no, I, I agree. I, I know that. I'm just telling them. That's why it has to fall to the coach. Because, of yeah. course, if I get into a game and I'm a freshman, it's my first varsity game, I am, and I, that ball comes to me, I'm going to try to score. Yep. So the coach has to say, listen, go out there, play. You're getting into a varsity game. This is not about you scoring your first varsity goal. This is about not embarrassing that other team on the other yeah. side. Because it's about sportsmanship. And that's what, the uh, level uh, of sportsmanship uh, in the SC. SEC talks about and Carmen talks mm-hmm. about sportsmanship and score management and ethics and and all, us do other leagues and that's what the bottom line and you're teaching kids that 
two. Teaching kids to run up the score or score as many goals, that's not what is supposed to happen. Is having sat on a bench and knowing and wanting to get your chance, I understand that when I was in Little League, but unfortunately it's a little bit different now. And uh, th- there's a place for scoring and then there's a place for stopping. And where that line is, it's kind of not so much drawing a sand. Some people step over it, and, but in this case, I you got to tell them to stop at some point and make conscious decisions for kids. Every Monday evening, join us for the Game Time CT High School Football Podcast. Sean Patrick Boley, Kyle Brennan, and Pete Pawaga bring to you the best high school football coverage across the state. You get an immediate reaction to the Game Time CT media poll on top of discussions that go beyond just the games. Uh, so we want to hear from you guys on this subject. You know, keep yeah, emailing keep us. Uh, keep sending posts on the comments on the Tweet story. at us. You know, we, we want to be involved with people. That's why we're reading your comments uh, on the air, because we appreciate that you're writing in and that you care about high school sports enough right. to even comment. So it, there's a lot of sides to this, and I think that everyone makes valid points. So keep sending in the letters. Keep sending in the, the emails and the, and the Twitter stuff. Uh, let's get back to the... To, to the normal show now. Um, let's go through the boys' polls uh, really fast here. Fairfield Prep still on top of the double L poll um, with Xavier right behind them. Uh, right now in double L, the undefeated teams are Xavier Prep, Trumbull, Cheshire, Newington, and Danbury. So FCAC, SEC, and then Newington thrown in there too. Um, and then, you know, when you go down to the M&S poll, not a ton's changed. Lewis Mills is still on top. Uh, Stonington, Ellington, Granby, Litchfield, and Watertown, and Somers are all undefeated, as is Brookfield and Lyman Hall. So a lot's going to change in these polls. Uh, but but the big news is we have girls' poll. We do. <laughs> the people who have been paying attention to the soccer pack <laughs> podcast, they've been following on Twitter, and we do have polls. In uh, week three of the double L poll, on top, no surprise, is Richfield. Yet to be scored upon, has all five first place votes, only five coaches voting. Number two, Staples, I believe the double L finalist from last year. Mm-hmm. Suffield, a perennially good tournament team. St. Joe's is fourth. I have a feeling they'll be further up by the last poll, but we'll see. Glastonbury, fifth. This is a this is a who's who here. Shelton and Mer- Shelton next at six, followed by Mercy, undefeated. Sullington coming off a loss to Glastonbury, one to nothing. Tallinn. And then Simsbury rounds out the top ten. In the Class MS girls poll, team I wrote about this week, Nuriam Fairfield, uh, number one, taking over the top spot from Granby, which falls to number two. Followed by Immaculate out of the Southwest Conference. North Brantford yet to lose a game this year. Lewis Mills at five. Weston at six. Nanawak seven. Plainfield eight. Northwest Catholic nine. And Portland out of the Shoreline Conference ten. Like, Scott said there'll be plenty of changes as we go along but thank you for getting us these polls and something we'll obviously have on the uh, site today and uh, and every week from here on in that double all girls poll really gives you an indication of how loaded it is it really is that's <laughs> crazy we I mean I'm just looking it's let's here let me just see I, I don't know off the top of my head Richfield's double L right Staples is double L Stufffield yeah. I think is L I think maybe it might be double is L St. Joe's double L, Glastonbury's double L, Shelton's yeah. double L, Mercy's L, Southampton double L, Tallinn I would think is L, Simsbury probably double L. So, yeah, it's loaded. Loaded. I mean, you, I mean, you may see ten at one point all double L schools. Yeah. And the other receiving votes are South Windsor, Naugatuck, Watertown, Massick, and Wilton. And Massick lost to Shelton. So, 
So like you said, yeah, double L stands for loaded. Uh, I can't think of another L. <laughs> I, I don't want to say lovable loaded. I was like, wow, you got to loaded, <laughs> loaded. No, anyway, that, that's enough. So. We'll stop there. Yes. <laughs> Let's, I want to talk about a couple of games that I saw uh, over the last week. I went to Weston and Barlow last week. Uh, I got a few things to say about Barlow. First of all, that campus is huge. I don't know if you've been to Barlow, Jill Barlow. Been a long time. But it's so spread out. The fields are like over acres and acres. Well, yeah, I remember having to walk. To, I think they had a Southwest Conference tournament final there, and I had to walk to like a, it's a long walk from the parking lot. I don't know. That was it was long. Fifteen and then, years ago. I uh, but what's cool? What I really, really love about Barlow is they play their home games on grass. For kids who don't know, this is a natural thing that grows out of the ground, and people used to play sports. <laughs> so at Barlow, they play soccer on grass. I love soccer on grass. I don't know of many schools in the SWC, SEC, or FCAC that still play on grass. I wish more did because soccer really is a great game on grass. Um, I also loved Barlow's uniforms. They had like these bubble, bumblebee uniforms, right. black and red, uh, black and yellow stripes, black and yellow striped socks. I should say that Barlow did lose the game uh, to Weston one nothing. Weston was super excited about this. They were like taking photos in front of the scoreboard afterward, like they had won the Super Bowl. But that's a big rivalry game for them. Uh, and they won, you know, Weston's got 11 starters who are all seniors, but it was a freshman, Max Weiss, making the cross to a sophomore, Henry Cohen, for the goal in that game. Uh, really fun to go up and see an SWC game. And then last night I saw an excellent game, the FCAC. Trumbull and Ludlow played like a playoff game. It was 3-2, back and forth the whole way. Uh, you know, Christo Bochi from Ludlow played a really good game. And then I got to see Jason Weinstein play in person, and Andrew Restrepo had a great game uh, playing forward for Trumbull last night. And uh, Tiago Frazo, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, he plays center midfield for Trumbull. He's a junior, and he really stood out to me last night as a kid that I hadn't uh, heard of before, but was excellent, excellent player. Uh, so I really enjoyed watching those two games uh, this week. Uh, what, what did you see on the girls' side? Unfortunately, I didn't see a lot due to weather and other responsibilities. Right. Uh, so I left that to you this week there, uh, Scott. <laughs> um, but um, some good games to go out and get and see this week. Uh, yeah. I, know, I think weather permitting tonight, Tuesday, Farmington at Sullington. Sullington, again, coming off the loss to Glastonbury. Farmington has dealt Glastonbury. It's only blemish a tie. Um, interesting situation. Handy Guilford is one of the big rivalry games. They're kicking off at Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Guilford's yet to win a game this year. That's a traditional program. It's a surprise to That's me. That's surprising. Yeah. 0-2-2 yeah. two two, uh, last check. Mm-hmm. Can they hold serve in, against Hand, which uh, checking to see how they did against O-Line, and it was tie 1-1. So Hand is not at that elite level as last year. So they're trying to build. So we'll see how that interesting that is. And again, a team I mentioned already, Notre Dame of Fairfield, can't, they're going to Newtown. They've only given up two goals, Notre Dame. And Newtown comes off a shutout where they shut out the two, the duo from Massick, Lawrence, and, and the other girls. So, um, again, we're, as we said last week, you're going to see the teams rising to the, rising to the top as we go along. But the big one Thursday, October 11th, yeah. Richfield at St. Joe's. That's the big one. That's the one we have can, circled. Can we get to that where both teams are undefeated going there? I would say more than likely yes. And bigger questions, will Richfield have not given up a goal? Where's that game? Is that St. Joe's? Uh, St. Joe's. That's awesome. the big one Thursday the 11th. And uh, 
And we'll 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 see. Uh, you know, with the, with the point. standings now, especially in soccer, sometimes if you get a team like you said, oh two and two, they've tied two games, they played really well. Sometimes there's not wins there, uh, so the records early in the season in soccer can be a little deceiving. deceiving you know? I, it's my understanding that they're struggling. Yeah, this is not a vintage Gilford team. Gilford so, team, but I just mean in general, you know, you right? Because like the Greenwich boys have, you know, started out the same way, oh oh one and three or oh one and two. Who do they play? Uh, they tied McMahon. Uh, and I forget who else they tied, but you know, right. Um, McMahon's playing a lot of teams really close this year because they put like six kids back on D. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of 1-1, one, 2-1 one, one games. Uh, they tied Stanford last night 1-1. One, one. Uh, there's some good games on the boys' side to go see this week too. Uh, today up in Hartford, uh, Newington and Hartford Public, um, both teams coming in unbeaten uh, and, and at the top of the CCC standings. That's a really fun one if you can get up that way and it's not rained out. Uh, and then Lewis Mills at Nanawag. Um you know, Lewis Mills obviously runs that, you know, rules that league, but Nanawag started out really well. They've only lost one game so far. I'm sure they would love to go in there and upset Lewis Mills, which would be quite an upset, uh, you know, out of the Berkshire League um, for anyone to beat Lewis Mills the way they've played the last few years. Uh, Wednesday night in the SEC, uh, Brantford at Guilford. Uh, both these teams think they're good enough to compete for class in Class L, and I think they are too. Uh, so that should be a really fun one, 6.30 Wednesday night. Um, that could be a great game to go check out. And then also Wednesday at 5 p.m. is a huge one in the FCAC, Staples at Greenwich. These two teams genuinely don't like each other. The coaches don't seem to get along, and the kids don't like each other, and they really, really go at it when they play. So if, if you're in that area, go check out Staples Greenwich. Uh, Thursday in the SWC, we got New Milford at Brookfield at 715. Right. Um, these two teams are both good out of the you – know, the SWC is, is good soccer. You know, Weston and it Barlow is. are both good. Uh, New Milford and Brookfield are both good. Girls Newtown's too. pretty yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. girls too. It's, yeah, absolutely. They can play. Listen, they, we talk about the FSEC a lot. Yeah. The SWC can play. They can. They can play. Absolutely. In soccer, they hold their own. You know, they may not have the state titles of you know the CCC recently, but the teams are there. Although Barlow did win a state title. Uh, then Crosby and Holy Cross in the NBL. Um, Crosby's played well this year. Holy Cross is also off to a fast start, so we'll see if they can actually play with with Crosby, that's a game that Holy Cross always wants to win. And then Saturday, we've got Old Saybrook at Hale Ray uh, in the Shoreline. Uh, 6.30 Saturday game. I always like those uh, late Saturday games and standalone there. And, and I think Old Saybrook and, and Hale Ray could be a fun one. Uh, this was a fun podcast today. You know, we got into a topic that we weren't expecting, and I, I hope that generates some interest amongst people. Uh, did you, I mean, I think you, you made some good points, and I'm glad we read the, the letters from the readers. Yeah, because I think we – they're the ones who help us get our hits. They're the ones yeah. who are supporting our our missive. And, yeah. and I there's no right or wrong answers here. It's it's what it's it's a subjective topic. It's right. how you feel about certain things. Running up the score or or what when is enough enough right. or are you not good enough to compete? And and that's why you have seen programs drop because of numbers and, and different sports. So. It's a it's an unfortunate thing. I'm sure it's an isolated incident, but I thought it was worth noting. That's up for debate. But uh, again, fifty to one jumps off the page at you, and any these are topics we'll discuss if need be uh, throughout the season. Yep. Uh, so listen for the Just for Kicks podcast for Joe. I'm Scott, and we will see you next time. <laughs>